Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, so last week we, we talked about the true knowledge of Jesus. And as we talked about that, one of the things we, we need to address is um, freedom in Christ. Now, one of the things that we do know is when Jesus was arrested, the apostles went into hiding and took off, right? Um, they didn't have the courage to live openly for Christ. Now, when we give our lives to the Lord, we should have the courage because we belong to him. We, we have the, the end of the story. We know how everything's going to end. Uh, so there should be uh, courage to be able to stand out and, and live for him. Uh, we know that as, as you look at Luke chapter 24, there's some things in there that, um, that they were struggling with as they um, were struggling with doubts. And, and I think it's in verse uh, 36 of uh, Luke 24. It says, Now as they said these things, Jesus uh, himself stood in the midst of them, and said to them, Peace to you, but they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. And this is after they had spent three years with him. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubt, doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands, my feet, that is, it is I myself. Handle, uh, handle me and see, for the spirit does not have the flesh and the bones as, as you see, I have. And when, we had, uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still, uh, did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? And he begins to cook for them. And then one of the things I love is if you go a little bit further down um, in, in verse 43, it says, and he took and ate in the presence. So he eats in front of them. And then he said to them, these are the words which I had spoken to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he, he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. And you are the witness of these things. Then we go into Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And we see what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. The power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 it says in verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with, one, uh, all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house, and they were sitting. Then they appeared to, to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon a, uh, each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with the, uh, the tongues as the Spirit had given them the utterance. And so the Holy Spirit gives them what to say, and they start speaking in the different native tongues of, of many different people because this is at Passover. And so you have people from all over the world there in different dialects, and they're speaking their, their, their native tongue. 
And that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. I, I believe one of the things that's very important is that you get that uh, uh, when you see the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord in one place. They were working together. And, and that's something that as a church that we, we pray that, that that continues. And that's what we want is to be able to work together to do what God has called us to do, uh, to share the gospel and to make disciples. Uh, but we have to have the courage to live out our faith. We have to have the courage to actually uh, step into uh, that standing firm in the faith, knowing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit that, that resides in us. And, and that's where that change happens. But for some people, for some reason, they never, they never do that. They never allow this, the strengthening to happen. Um, and they, they kind of sit back and, and they don't step out into that faith. I, I, honestly, I, you know, God's called us to, uh, to be his, you know, his walking, talking billboards in Jesus Christ. And, and so we, you know, if you're shy, you got to get past that. And the Holy Spirit will give you the power to get past that. If you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit just gave them what to say. He'll give you what to say. And we have to get past all that. It's hard. But, you know, it, the, the more you do it, the easier it becomes to, to, to share the gospel with people. The thing that I wanted to talk to you about tonight, you can go ahead and, and move to Galatians and just stay there. Because that's where we're going to be primarily tonight. Uh, we'll we'll kind of bounce around Galatians a little bit. But I want to read to you Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for the righteousness comes through the law. Then Christ died in vain. And so one of the things that you're going to see as we talk about freedom in Christ is, is we need to understand that everything that Christ did on the cross, there's nothing else that needs to be added to it. And unfortunately, when people start to try to add the law in, because uh, they were Judaizers that were coming into the church and they were telling them, hey, you have to be circumcised or you have to, you have to follow the law of Moses. And if you don't follow the law of Moses, you're not saved. There's no salvation for you. And so everything that Jesus has done on the cross has been done. There's nothing else for you to do. And so when you give your heart to Christ, you repent and you ask Christ into your heart, you believe in the resurrection it's over. I mean, you, you, are, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Your past, your present, your future sins have been paid for. It doesn't mean that you, okay, well, I got a, a blank check. I can start sending however I want and do whatever I want. But that's not what it means. What happens is you start to begin to understand the cost of the sin. He was crucified for the sin. He died on the cross for that sin for each one of us. Because he loved us. There's three things that uh, I was reading something today from, from uh, Philip Reef. Now, I, he's not a Christian and he's, he's dead. So, <laughs> there's two things. But he's, he's probably one of the most world-renowned sociologists in, in, the, in the world. Um, and one of the things he had talked about were the, um, the three cultural worlds, worlds that are happening. Um, and, and he kind of broke it down by different 
time periods that we're in. And one of the things he had talked about was the first cultural world was uh, the belief of false gods. I was just watching something the other day, and it was on the, uh, the Mayans and, and the Aztecs and how they had the sun god. How everybody always tried to figure out, well, there's got to be something, right? And so they would create stories of these false gods. But then Christianity, you know, uh, comes along, and, and then we get into the second cultural world, which is Christianity, monotheism, where we believe in God, and we have an authority that we follow. We have the Bible. We always had this. But this is how sociology, they, you know, they get weird and they do things uh, based on what they do. But one of the things they had talked about was the third cultural, which is what we're in right now. And, and when you read about it, it's exactly what's happening right now, which is um, Western history, and I'll read what he says here. Western history chronolo uh, chronologically According to the three cultural worlds, the first was a pagan, right? And the second was the monotheism. We've always believed there's a God, and that's, that's something that he didn't agree with. But he says that Reed pulls no punches when he describes the third. He calls it the death works. Because the society uh, begins to, uh, you'll have people within the society, which in, within cultural institutions, and then cultural makers that start subversive agents of destruction, works of death. Undermining everything within the culture. No authority. And this is what's happening right now. And this is what, what he said was going to happen back in the 70s. And he's like, what's, what we're moving towards is this, this idea that we don't need authority. And, and that they're moving past needing God. And we see that in our culture even in today in America, unfortunately. It's already happened in Europe. And what happens is they want to rebuild society. They want to define their own truth. This is his words. So, what is truth? No, not what the Bible says. Truth is what I define truth to be. Gender. Right? I'm binary, whatever. You know, it's all that stuff. And what they do is they tear down anything that, that they consider not truth to them or something that's going to uh, cause them to, uh, to have to deal with any type of authority. So they abolish truth. And yet they, they, it proves a, a fierce authority as any god is jealous to boot. But it says nature... Uh, after all, abhors a vacuum. So th they they want to eradicate God, and then we see that happening now, um, unfortunately. And then they 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 want you to 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 because there is no truth. You define what truth is, meaning that you don't have to follow authority. You don't have to you don't have to deal with I, you know I, the, we we see it probably in the biggest way through. Uh, through the culture is, is the, the transgender, the LGBTQIA, whatever it is, community. Unfortunately, we see that, that they, they want to exercise their freedom. Uh, I believe it was in Roanoke, Texas, where you had the, the drag queens show up, and then Antifa showed up armed, waiting for somebody to do something. 
And this is the third culture that we're in right now. And, and the foundation will begin to crumble. Because it will. Because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is kicked out the front door, then the God of sexual desire is whistled through the back door. This is exactly how he put it. He wrote this in the 70s. The construction of the fourth world, this is the one that's coming, and I believe we're, we're in a place where we're at that crossroad. As it talks about the... Um, because we see such a destruction happen because of morality. You know, um, uh, talking to a, a child about sexuality is wrong. I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want any of my, I have five kids. I, if anybody, one of, any teacher tried to talk to my kid at, at, at first or second grade about that, God help them. Christians need to start speaking out and saying, hey, this stuff is not right. It's not that we're trying to be political. What you're doing is you're saying, look, this goes against the truth of God's word. And what you're doing, look, if you want to live your life that way, that's cool. Go do that. But you don't have to, you don't, that don't give you the right to, to try to define what truth is for my child. Okay? I have family members that have chosen to live that lifestyle. It is what it is. There's nothing I can do. When it's time for the, me to talk to them, I talk to them. When they ask me to pray with them, I pray with them. But I ask them, you know, you, you need to read the Word of God. Because the reason you're going through all the troubles you're going through is because you keep bucking against the head. You're like you're hitting the ceiling every time because you're, you're, you're going against God. And, and so what we see is this, this culture of I'm going to define truth and morality and I'm not going to follow authority. And we see, unfortunately, this unfolding in major cities right now where there's no law. Or we're not going to arrest anybody. I mean, the guy, I think one of the guys, and this is, you know, the guy had something in his hand, metal, and just sucker punched the guy. And his, he's, he's in the hospital right now in a coma. And the guy got a misdemeanor. And this is exactly what this is. As I was reading this, I was like, this is exactly what this is. But let me tell you what's going to happen. Because I love what he talks about the fourth culture. This is the one that's coming. The one that's coming is where the people of God actually stand up and begin to try to uh, do things that are foundationally right to reestablish authority Meaning that, you know, there was a reason why we had an authority in the first place. Even the atheists knew that when they, because we, we had atheists. This is what people don't understand. There were atheists that were actually involved in the Constitution. And they even said, we got to have some type of authority. And so they went with the Bible. They agreed with it. Because your, your society needs to have it. If it doesn't, it will fall apart. And what we're seeing right now is the crumbling of America in front of us. And, and I believe truly what it is is because one of the things that I, I believe is that we have so many Christians that are not living within the freedom of Christ that they've been given. Meaning that it's okay for you 
to live your life as a Christian, it's okay for you to share the gospel. It's okay for you to say, no, I don't agree with that. You know, I, and I don't agree with it to the point where I'm going to go ahead and run for the school board. Now, I don't agree with it to the point where I'll run for Congress. Not me, because I've been called to be a pastor. But that's what we're, we're heading towards, because what we have to do is we have to point them back to God. It is not going to be easy. And I believe we're in the, we're in the, the doorway of, of seeing either more crumbling or either seeing the Lord be reestablished back into the culture again. Look, I have no problem. If you want to go live your life and you want to be a bird or you want to define yourself as a cat, I don't care. I will share the gospel with you. I will try to love you as best I can as a Christian. Um, but don't try to force that on me. It's the reality of it. And, and so when we see, I think one of the things that we need to deal with as Christians is to remember that we have freedom in Christ. Meaning that the greatest fulfillment, the happiness, the peace, everything that, that God has provided you has been done through Christ. And, and, and what we are to believe about ourselves is about God making the difference in the way that we live. Like, we live for God. There should be something that stands out. But how free are you today? And see, we've been set free. And I, he went over that in the, the condemnation of sin in Romans 6, 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord. The power of, of Satan, the Son of God, was manifested that might destroy the work of the devil in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The control of our sinful nature. Reckon uh, yourself to be dead indeed uh, to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord in Romans 6, 11. The pressure to conform the world. He is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's an easy way to, to figure that out is like think about the, somebody who goes diving. They can't go but so far down. They have to have a suit that can, that can handle the pressure, right? Or else what will happen? They're done. They'll die. Submarine does the same thing. It has to have a certain amount of steel to be able to, to, to hit the Pacific Ocean, like at the deep parts of that ocean. They have to be able to, uh, to handle, the, handle the pressure. And sadly, for most people, like if you think about it, there are fish down in that water that's handling the pressure fine. But a sub, it needs all that metal and steel to kind of keep everybody safe. But when we have Christ, we, we don't need all that. The beauty of Christianity is like we, we, we try to uh, erect walls to, to insulate ourselves. And, and that's not what, what God has called us to do. Like, we need to understand that we have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And uh, the key is not to put up massive walls to protect you from the enemy, but to realize the one inside you is greater than whatever pressure that threatens to attack you. So true freedom is, is 
willingly becoming a slave to Christ. And this happens through our relationship with Him. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, it says, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. He talked about the, the puppy, but I'll, I'll share a story with you because it tells you in Galatians 5.1. Y'all can go ahead and turn there. Galatians 5.1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in liberty, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Right? Do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. Let me think about that just for a second, because what happens is when you, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, that means you have the power to overcome sinful habits, to handle temper or outbreaks or, or an ungodly relationship. You have the power to have that be set free because the power is through the Holy Spirit. You have freedom in Christ. But there's so many people that aren't walking in this. They're still in the jail. Or they, they're trying to put the bondage back on the, the, the chains again. And he gave the example of the puppy, the puppy being left in the, in the cage. And when they let the puppy out, the puppy didn't feel comfortable being outside the cage. He felt more comfortable in the cage. There's a story of, of two men, that the two brothers actually, in, um, in Europe that were both uh, elders and their father king. And when the father had passed away, one of the brothers decided that he wanted more of the land than the other brother. The other brother was known, uh, unfortunately, as a big man. He ate a lot. So his brother put him in, not a jail, put him in a room and made the room, the door, skinny. That's a big dude. And so every day, the brother would bring food to the man, and the door was unlocked. All he had to do was lose the weight, and he could walk out of the, the room at any time. But he was comfortable with the food. And so that's how sin is with us sometimes. We get comfortable with it, or we get comfortable with a habit, and you're free. You can walk out the door anytime. But you don't, you don't want to do that. You put yourself back into bondage. And that's where we have to be very careful. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 7 and 9, it says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world who slaves you and want to be once more? He's like, don't go back to the weak things of the world again. Leave those things alone. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Again, they had the Judaizers come in and they're telling him, in order for you to have salvation, you have to do this plus this. Anybody who tells you that, they're wrong. There is nothing else you need to do. 
They were telling him you need to be circumcised. They were telling him you need to follow the law. You need to follow the law of Moses. None of that. You're free. And that's what he was saying. He goes, look how quickly you so quickly deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. That quick, you're gone. And Paul is trying to tell them, look, you know, you need to obey God. There's no other work that needs to be done. We live in grace. There's no sacrifice that needs to be done. Right? And every time we try to add something to it, all we're trying to do is nail Christ back to the cross. And that's already, the work is done. God's already done it through His Son. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? You heard it by faith. Are you so foolish, having, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he supply the Spirit to you and the works, miracles among you to do uh, by the works of the law or by hearing or by hearing with faith. And so again, he's giving you that, that example of, look, you have the flesh and you have the Spirit. The work of the Spirit has been, uh, is, is being, being done. It's being done because of what Christ did on the, on the cross. The flesh and the law can't do anything for you. And even the Galatians, the believers, had been redeemed by God's grace and Yet they maintained their salvation to grow in him. They would, would, it be, uh, would have a, a, to work hard observing the law of Moses. But what begun in the Spirit must be completed at, uh, by him as well. The entire Christian experience is lived by faith in God's provision. From beginning to end, we are justified, sanctified, and glorified by his grace which we lay hold of by trusting and obeying Him. You have freedom in Christ. Your salvation is secured through the blood of Christ. So you obey, you abide in Him. Don't go back to the old things. And that's why Paul is giving that contrast of works versus grace. Faith. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, we go a little bit further down. It says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before uh, God by the law, for their righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming the curse for us, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Christ redeemed us. And he goes down in verse 21 of Galatians chapter 3, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. 
But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. So that, by, uh, so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. It's by grace. There's nothing you need to add. God set us free from this bondage through His Son, Jesus Christ. And see, a lot of people think, well, I got heaven. And that's... No. <laughs> yes, you do have heaven. But that's not it. Like God is wanting to use you and to build the relationship with you daily. And that's why when we think about freedom in Christ, one of the things we have to ask ourselves, like, are we a bitter person? Do we have a critical spirit? Are we angry all the time? Do we feel inadequate? Do we have an, a, an addiction or a habit? Are we, are we struggling with loneliness? Are we handling like handling things that, that are, are, are bringing out our flesh? And it's like all those things are putting you back into bondage. God's freed you of that. Why are you going back to it? If you're bitter at somebody, you need to ask God to forgive. You need to like, Lord, forgive me for being bitter. Forgive me for being upset with that person. Lord, you know what happened. You know how hurt I am. But don't let it take root. Don't let it put you back into bondage. Don't let it, because what bitterness does is it allows you to start getting angry. I have a right to be angry. I've been hurt. All those things put us back into bondage. You're back in the jail again. So anything that hinders the flow of God in each of our lives is a form of bondage. Make sure you get that. That's from Charles Stanley. Anything that hinders the flow of God in each of our lives is a form of bondage. If it's keeping you from your relationship with God, you need to check it and ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what is going on here? It's, I, I'm telling you, I went through this this week. I had to, I had to teach this. And man, I got, I, I, we, we had trying to help Lena with the kids and trying to get Joseph off to school. And he's talking back to, to Grandma. He started trying to, he tried to talk back to me and I kind of snapped at him and, and I, I, man, it didn't take me but two seconds to put myself back into bondage. I was already back the way I was before Christ. The anger was there, everything. Now, I didn't take it out on the kid, but it was here. And it was like just that quick it got brought up. And I was like, Lord, forgive me. And my wife saw it. She saw it in my eyes. She saw it in my face. We try to hide it. But God knows. And so I was like, babe, forgive me. I'm sorry. And I had to repent. I was driving him to school, and I'm like, Lord, forgive me. I don't want that stuff to take root. Because it's gonna, it's, it hinders the flow of God because it becomes a form of bondage. You can't be a godly person that you've been called to be as long as you're trusting in anything other than Christ. You get that? Like if you're trust, trusting in something else, if you're yoked to something else, you're divided. 
it's uh, we're we're called to to walk with God to 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 leave it all and follow him and what happens is sometimes we pick those habits back up again and and we're sitting in the jail and we're allowing those things to be yoked to us meaning that yoked is to be divided you can't go you can't be pulled in two different directions we must be free that means we we can't live with anger and bitterness with a poor self-image you ever look at yourself in the mirror and go man I, I i don't know where this weight came from i'm fat i've done that don't think the men don't do that we do it too where'd my hair go sometimes it hurts the kids will ask me like where's your teeth grandpa that's self-image I, I'm free to, I have freedom in Christ. I don't really care how I look. What I care about is that you know Christ, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not going to try to dress and, and, and put on nice clothes and stuff, but it just, you know, that self-image stuff, that's from the devil, man. And he uses it heavily on women. Heavily. Even my daughters. I remember them growing up. Self-image was tough. And I struggled. Which led to other things. Cutting. My youngest daughter went through that. My little baby girl. And you know what we found out, which is crazy. <laughs> Two things. As you as you start talking to your kids as they get older and you and you're walking with God now and they're they're they believe in Christ and they're walking with the Lord and you start finding out stuff. Found out that she started cutting herself because we had to move from Georgia to San Antonio. And we had to come here to help my oldest son who was being a knucklehead and getting in trouble. We left him back here with my my sister-in-law so he could finish up high school. And he decided to completely just... Matter of fact, we showed up and surprised him on a, on a Monday. He had no clue we were coming. Uh, I wish I would have had a camera to get a picture of that. But my daughter, because we had to move from Georgia to San Antonio to deal with it, she felt like she wasn't heard or she, she wasn't cared for because all her friends and stuff were back in Georgia. She had grown up from elementary school up into middle school, getting ready to go into high school. And so she started cutting herself. Self-image. I, I, mom and dad don't care for me. And, and it just, that's how it starts. You get back in the jail and you start back into old habits. You got to be free. But remember, when we live, we, we have to ask God to help us with that bitterness, with that anger. If, if we're struggling, if we're a man and we're struggling with lust, we need to ask the Lord to help us with that. You know, um, it, it, it's all these things that keep us from being free. And there's freedom in Christ. And so God is saying, look, I've given you a gift. Every one of you that are my followers, each have a gift to be used for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to work through you. And I got things that I would like to do with you. But it's a relationship. If you decide to stay in the jail... And put back on the bondage. There's nothing. 
Yeah, you have to repent of that stuff. You have to walk away from that stuff. And just say, look, you know, because some of us, we can be bound by something. And you got to ask yourself, like, what is bringing me joy? Where is the peace in my life? Because joy and peace should come from God. Is there something that's corrupting me on the inside? Something where I can't be free because I have bondage in my life. I've allowed some of this stuff to, to kind of get back and, and, and be a part of my life. And it's almost like you, you, you know, you, you're a new creation in Christ. If you're jumping back in the, in the casket to try to bring some of that old stuff back up, because that person's dead. You're supposed to crucify that person daily. This is the problem with our culture right now. And this is the problem with Christians, is they're not dealing with their sin. And then we get out there because we just had a, 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 a pastor fall, Matt Chandler, great teacher of the word. Inappropriate text between a girl on Instagram. Sin. And it's like we have to deal with this stuff. If, we, if there's bondage going on, there's something that's happening. The only thing you're supposed to be addicted to is Jesus. You gave your life to Christ. That's your addiction. He's your, he, that's who you follow is Christ. You die, to the, you die to self. You follow him. And in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul is a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, who went through, man, just so much, and yet he called himself a bondservant of Christ, a doulos, a slave. <laughs> that man was beaten, stoned to death, and left, left dead outside the, the city. Walk, gets back up. Like you talk about punk rock, homeboy gets back up <laughs> and goes back in the city and starts preaching again. That's the kind of Christians that we need in this world today. They're going to come at you. They want to bring AR-15s and they want to surround the thing. I don't have any problem with you. Because I love you and I want to share the gospel with you. And I'll sit and talk with you while you stand there. You know. Boldly I'll do that. And if you want to try to kick me out of the town, then that's fine. We'll, I'll come back in. we we got to stand up. We're free. But we're free to serve Jesus Christ. He tells you the things that we're supposed to put off and put on. We've gone over these many of times. To be a servant of Christ, one of the things he talks about is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Like if you have problems with another brother or sister, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, these things put us back in bondage. And that's what the world wants to do. He wants to enslave you. The enemy wants to put you back in that, that jail.
you know and 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 people who claim to 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 live their life and and say you know what i want to live my life the way i want to live my life and you look at those those uh in galatians 5 verses 19 through 21 and god says yeah you're living your life but you're not free you're not free you're free to obey satan because when you're living under those things, you're free to obey Satan. When, you're, when you choose not to follow Jesus, you're following, following the, the, the prince of this world, which is Satan. And you could try to live a good life, but eventually that corrupt nature is going to show. It's going to be brought to the light. Because every one of us has been born with what? Sin. Every one of us. And, and, and within that sin, it actually corrupts the way that we think and our actions. That's why God sent His Son Christ to die on the cross. It takes grace and the power of God to set us free. And these are the qualities that should flow out of us as you're a follower of Christ is grace. In Acts chapter 8, verses 9, uh, I, and I won't read the whole thing. You can read it when you get time. It's, it's Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 24. It's the, when the magician or the man named Simon actually practiced magic. And they called him, the, in verse 10, they said they, they paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, the man is the power of God that is called great. And then Philip comes in and... and um, he sees what Philip is doing and says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women, and even Simon himself, after, he, after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing the signs and great miracles and performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostle at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, uh, they sent Peter and John. So Peter and John go to check it out. And they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet. And it says, And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given the, through uh, the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. This is a man who gave his life to Christ. And was baptized. And it's corrupt. Because he's doing what? He's taking the old way that he used to do stuff. And he's going right back to it. I can buy this. And then the people will love me. And that's what I'll do. But then this is another thing that's very important. Because I don't know why, why we think that we're supposed to be just love, love, love. We are supposed to be love. But there's supposed to be truth too. Okay, this is very important because Peter checks him. I mean, Peter doesn't play around. Peter says, but he said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You neither part nor let a lot in the matter for your heart is not right before God. Peter just bluntly tells him, hey, you need to get right with God. It says, Repent, therefore, the wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, in the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. 
For I see that you are in gall of bitterness and in bond of equity, inequity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Peter rebuked him. If somebody's not living right and you know they're not living right, you need to talk with them in love. You don't go over there and start beating them over the head with the Bible. You pray. Let me tell you, the biggest thing that, that we make mistake is is we don't ask the Holy Spirit to be a part of it. We're not praying for it. Like, Lord, I need to talk to this person. I need you to soften his heart or soften her heart so that way we can have a conversation about this thing that's going on. This division that we have between each other. Because I don't want to be upset with my brother or my sister. I want to deal with this. I don't want it to cause either one of us to stumble. But you need to be praying before you ever go over there and, and speak. Or if that brother or sister's in sin and you know they're in sin, you need to say, hey man, I love you. You know what God's word says. I'm praying that you'll make that 180 turn that needs to be made back to the Lord. That's love and truth. But this is a thing that should be pouring out of us in Galatians 5.22, and y'all know this very well, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is love pouring out of you. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. The Holy Spirit came so we can relate to each other in a godly fashion. This is why the Holy Spirit came, so uh, that, that He could display love through us. That we could practice self-control. You know, that we could actually be patient with each other. Because it's the Holy Spirit doing it through us. Right? It's God working in our hearts. But when you're bound up with feelings of rejection, or you're hostile towards somebody, or you're angry, or you have resentment, you're back in bondage. Maybe, maybe even you can be just, um, uh, you're, you're all about the money and you've gotten to be a greedy person. There are people that way. They're back in bondage because they're allowing money to control them. God is love. And, and freedom in the person of Christ, the love of God throws, uh, throw, uh, flows through you. And other persons understand the love of Christ because it is God that's being glorified. That's why you can have those conversations and people will say, man, I don't know what it, what it is that's different with you, but there's something different. And that's when you're like, man, I, I, I just try to live my life for, for the Lord. And I, I'm not perfect. Do you know Jesus? Personally? And that's how the conversation opens up. We can't, we can't be free if, if, if we're not willing to totally surrender to Jesus. We've got to protect our freedom. That's why it says in Galatians 5.1, For freedom in Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Therefore, I do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't submit to it again. 
You're standing firm. You're persevering. You're being cautious. You're living a godly life. Don't let people load you down with religion. Right? You have access to God anytime, so you can confess a sin right then. If you, <laughs> if you go, man, you just thought something about somebody, you know it's wrong. Confess it. Deal with it right then. Don't let it linger, because then when it lingers, you go, man, that person did this two weeks ago. You never let it go. You're hanging on to it. And then it becomes this other thing. And you still don't let that go. And then it's just like that ball rolling down the hill. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That snowball. You got to deal with that stuff. You have access to God. Teresa was just talking to me. And we were, she was remembering when she went through. Because she grew up in the Catholic Church. And she remembered going through catechism. And part of the, the deal was you had to actually go do your um, confession with the priest. And she said it was, you felt so guilty because you had to walk back in front of everybody to the priest do your confession and everybody's talking as you're coming out because they're like what did she say or what were they to, you know did she tell them about such and such or did you know all that stuff and she's like I don't have to do that no more I have access to God all the time now and that's what I need to, like I need to be to have the freedom to say you know what Lord I need to ask forgiveness for that and to understand like he's going to forgive you And you can live in that freedom. Don't put yourself back in the jail. Don't put yourself back in the jail. It's so easy to do that. You have the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Don't let anyone steal your freedom in Christ. The devil is trying to do that every day. He wants you back in the jail. Even though you can get up and walk out anytime. There's nothing he can do at this point. Besides tempt you and try to get you to fall back into sin. That's all he's trying to do all the time. And just like he knows the things that will get you. Like if you deal with anger, oh, he'll give you every chance to be angry. If you deal with bitterness, he'll give you every chance to be bitter. If you have resentment, man, he'll bring up stuff in your past, in your memory. Oh, man, I remember when he did such and such. All you did was go get milk. You come back and he's all angry. You're like, what happened? <laughs> all that resentment was brought up by the devil and it put her in a bad mood. It happens. Lust. Looking on Facebook, next thing you know, you got stuff on there that you're like, where is this coming from? I've had that happen before. Turn it off. I tell every one of those ads, I don't want to see this, it's offensive. You know what's funny is every time you do that, three or four more ads will show up. So I just turn it and let's put it away. It's the devil. He wants you back in bondage. But you have freedom in Christ. Past, present, future sin forgiven. You're justified. Just as if you did not sin. 
So live in that freedom. Live with the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's our, our faith in, in Christ, it's, it's our walks, are, it's a very simplistic thing. But it's hard at times, right? But I think we make it harder on ourselves because we try to put ourselves back in the jail. So, remember, you have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Cling to that. Stand firm in the faith. And live for Christ. Live for Christ. And that's it for our summer series. I know it was a tough book. I know it brought, probably brought up a lot of stuff for a lot of us. You know, to deal with. And, and, and again, it's the reason that stuff gets brought up is so we deal with it. <laughs> you know? Because if we don't ever deal with it, I had, uh, trust me, I got a family. My in-laws don't deal with anything. They just, they just keep putting it under the rug. And over time, man, then when that big fight happens... Whew. Lord have mercy. I remember getting in with my father-in-law. My father-in-law told me, you know, I don't like that you curse in my house. It's before Christ. And I was like, I've known you for 15 years, and you've never told me that. Like, if you would have told me that on day one, I would have never done it. <laughs> but I was like, from this point on, it won't happen. I apologize. But it was like just hanging on to stuff. But because that... That fight, and can you imagine how long he held on to that? And how much it bothered him every time I opened my mouth in the house? Because I was an army guy. I, every other word was a cuss word. And he hung on to that. He was a very patient man. But it's like, why, why would you just not just tell me in love and say, look, Mike, you're demeaning yourself by talking like that. You don't have to use all them, that language. And I prefer you not do it in my house. Very patient man. Very patient. But I believe that God has given us the, uh, the ability to, uh, to discern what is right and wrong. And, and when something's not right, you need to let your brother or sister know. But you need to do it in love and truth. It's it's we have the word of God. It's like, hey, I love you. This is what God's word says. Because look, I don't want to see you keep going off the path. Like I, every now and then, I need somebody to kind of. <laughs> you need to get over here a little bit more, Mike, because you're you're getting the. I need that too. I have men in my life that, that, that God has gifted me with, godly men that will let me know, hey, you need to check your heart. You need that. And so live for Christ. Live for uh, the freedom in Christ and stop. Look, the jail cell's open. You don't have to be there anymore. Don't even, don't even visit it anymore, right? But that's why you're a new creation in Christ. You're, you're supposed to... The old has died. When you start dumpster diving and start trying to pull some of that old stuff back, like, I can do that. Don't do that because you're just putting yourself back into bondage. Okay? It's like trying to grab an outfit from the 80s or something. You're going to go try to put it back on or from the 90s or whatever, you know. 
Let me go. Let me go grab that. It's gonna look good, and you. You should have let it. You should have gave it away back then. <laughs> right. I think I was watching something with my daughter the other day, and it was the early two two thousands, and um, the outfit that that was like. She goes, man, Dad, I can't believe she's she wearing the big. That's when they were wearing the big tall boots and the the flared pants and all that. And it's like I can't believe. It. I was like you had all that those clothes because i can show you pictures that you were dressed like that you know don't don't go try to bring the old back nobody the reason god made you a new creation is the old needed to die and that was a, a sinful nature that we had and we don't need to go back to it and remember if you're struggling with some type of bondage or sin or even bitterness or whatever it is that you're struggling with it's Christ that has the power to help you to overcome that sin it's Christ and, and so many people that struggle with addiction they'll try to do it in their own muster and in their own will it's the power of the Holy Spirit it's Christ that overcomes it Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.